Welcome to C3 Church Tugra. You're about to hear a message from our senior pastor, Julie Oldfield. Get ready to be inspired to live your best life. Pastor Julie, I am, I'm the better half of the, no, <laughs> yeah, anyway, we're a team, me and my husband are a great team that God put together by divine appointment. How many people like it when God puts marriages together by divine appointment? It lasts, it works, it lasts the distance, hallelujah. These guys, they were telling me their story last week, it was so amazing um, you know, 26 years ago, they were sweethearts and they went off and did their lives, you know, broke up and, you know, busy married somebody else and had kids and did a whole life. Her marriage ended and who likes Facebook? Sometimes Facebook is good. Sometimes it connects good people to good people. And I forget how you say name, Matt, Marty. Martinez, is it, no, Martinez, oh, come on, it's not right, anyway, you're going to train me in South African accent, but he's in South Africa, she's in Australia, he connected with her and um, proposed to her over, over uh, FaceTime after a year of talking to each other. And she flew over to South Africa and they got married. And she hadn't seen him in 26 years. That's faith, isn't it? But they were still in love. It's so cute. I love that. I love God. I love God. The way he restores. People stand up for you too. This is them. So go and talk to them and find out their story. They're amazing people. Like the best. And she has the best hubby. He's just the best guy. He's just like a big, gentle teddy bear, strong as an ox. So good, just like we like them. Yeah, he's also a maths genius, but I like the teddy bear strong as an ox. Bit. <laughs> it's so good, so good. Uh, today, we're launching our 2018 vision. And we always have a vision for the year. And it's not something we just like, watch me pull a rabbit out of my hat or what are they doing in that church? Let's come up with something. But, but Pastor Phil and I and the team really wait on God and just want to hear God. God, what do you want to do prophetically in our church for this year? Last year, we had a year of rest and revive. And it was like we'd been um, in this church 21 years we got a prophetic word out of the scriptures that every seven years you're supposed to rest the land, to remain in covenant, to remain in blessing, to remain in favor with God. Every seven years, rest the land. We thought, well, we haven't rested the land for 21 years. Well, the third time around, maybe we'll rest the land. And how many of you know the reason why you rest the land is so that the soil can rejuvenate, so the soil gets rich again, so there's nutrients going into the soil. It's not being, you know, it's not being drawn by growth and plants and things going, but we're just sowing into that soil. It becomes rich again. And how many of you know then there's a time to plant 
into that rich soil and a time for harvest. So we felt this year is definitely God is speaking so much about harvest and about planting. And so we thought 2018 for us, we're coming out of the year of rest and arrive, and this year is going to be the year of purpose. I should have gone drum roll, shouldn't I? <laughs> purpose. The year of purpose. And this year we have strategically planned that we're going to be unpacking what is the purpose of the local church? What is the purpose of our church? What was the purpose of your life? What is your personal purpose on this earth? We're going to be unpacking that as the months go on. What are your gifts? What are your talents? What do you bring to the body of Christ? Who are you? And where do you figure in the big plan of God? Then we're going to be talking about what's the purpose that Jesus came to earth. What's the divine purpose? And we're going to be unpacking purpose for a whole year until we get to the end of the year where we're going to realize that the whole purpose for all of us, for the whole church, for everything we do, the end result is always saving the lost, seeking and saving that which was lost and adding to our family. That's always the purpose that the whole church exists for in Jesus' name. Amen? So it's going to be an exciting year. Who's excited about that? And we're strategic about this. We're going to be un, 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 uh, up, unloading, uh, unpacking, thank you, darling, uh, with different voices in our church. It's who likes it that we release different voices to speak? Because we are, we're very, in our, in our uh, execution of church, you know, we're a very apostolic, prophetic church which means that the apostle and the prophet, the fivefold ministry, we release all the fivefold ministry to do the work of the ministry as in Ephesians so that the body may come to maturity, the church may come to maturity and do the work of the ministry. How many of you know it's not our job to do the work of the ministry? It's our job to inspire you, to equip you, and to empower you to do the work of the ministry. And the work of the ministry is right in your home with your own kids. The work of the ministry is in your workplace. The work of the ministry is in the street. The work of the ministry is people that you just glance every day. It can mean many different things to many different people. It can be in the marketplace. It can be anywhere. But we're all called to be little Jesuses walking around the earth. Is that true? Who said amen? I love that. I don't mind a few amens, by the way. Tony, stand up, Tony. There's another new brother to our church, amazing man. And just so we're so blessed. We're so blessed to have you with us, Tony. So this morning, what I want to unpack to you is, who are we? And then over this month, we're going to talk about who are we, who we are, where we've come from, and where we're going. So over this month, you're going to, by the end of this month, our hope and our prayer is this, that you will, everyone in this room, will be able to say to someone when they ask you, oh, what kind of church do you go to? You don't go, uh, Christian, uh, uh, kind of Pentecostal. Uh, because every church has a mandate from God. And you should know the mandate and the flavor of your tribe. This, this, this church has even a different flavor to the C3 movement even though we agree and we're in, in uh, relationship with the C3 movement, but there are no clones in the kingdom of God. 
there's individual lives, individual callings, and whatever's on the senior leadership and in their hearts, whatever is important to them is going to flow down into that particular body, into that particular church. And if you know what that is, uh, it's an incredible thing to be able to say, oh, this is the church I go to, and this is what our distinctives are. How good is that? It's good to see you, Colin, in church too, by the way. Yes. Let's give Colin a clap. And Rochelle. Good to see her in church too. So, who we are. Okay, so this is, what we've done is we've not changed our vision statement. How many of you know you never change the vision? For 21 years, the vision's been the same. It's the same. It never changes. The core vision of this church will never change. But... How many of you know that you have to change your language with each generation that comes along? And we talk differently and we understand differently. So we've rewritten our vision in the sense of uh, just making it understandable that anybody who walked through that door would understand what that means. So instead of saying an apostolic and prophetic church, and they go, what the heck is that? We wanted to make it in everyday language. How many like that? So this is our vision statement that we're releasing today. A place that feels like home. How many of you can agree with that? Did you feel like it was home when you walked in? I hope so, because that's really, really important to us. It's so important to us, and I'm going to unpack that. A place that feels like home where you can experience God. Anybody experienced God since they came here? Yes, Julianne. Yes, that's so important. And be transformed. Anybody been transformed since they've been here? And I'll unpack that as well. Through preaching, great preaching, by the way. Not just me. I mean, I'm not talking about myself. I'm talking about everybody. Worship. Who loves our worship? It's such a distinctive of this house is the worship of this house. We've had great worship since the day we opened the door when it was Phil on an acoustic guitar and me singing and we used a, we used a CD player. No, back in that it was a tape player, a tape player to do the praise. And we used to play a tape music and everybody would dance around. We'd do the praise and then Phil would pick up his guitar and he would play and I would sing. Then he'd put down his guitar and he would do the giving. Then I would move over. Then I would go and meet all the people. And then he would get up and preach. Then I'd get up and pray for all the people. It was so much fun. So glad that we have the body. Just, do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's a stretch. Worship and connection. Anybody feel connected since they walked in? I hope so. I hope you feel connected in this church. I feel, I hope that someone's talked to you that's never talked to you before. I hope that when you come in here that you're not a lone ranger and a weird stranger, that you come in and you feel like, yep, somebody cares about me, somebody knows me, somebody knows my story. It's so important to us that we know each other's stories. That's why I love to say, tell me about you. What's your story? Once you know someone's story, you can look at them in the eye and you can look deeper than, oh, hi, nice to see you in church this morning. You know, like imagine if you just sat down at the end of church every week and we're really intentional about sitting down with someone different and tell me your story. What, what, What is it? What makes you tick? I can look around this room and I I just about know all the stories except for the brand new people. And I love that. I love that. I love that so much. Um, Yeah, so worship and connection that is fresh, pretty fresh, relevant, real, 
and empowering. How important is it that we be real? That we be fresh? How important is it that we get relevant? How important is it that we're empowering, releasing? You know, it's not about us, like I said before, doing the work in the ministry and you sitting in chairs going, okay, we'll just watch you do the work in the ministry every Sunday and then we'll go home. It's about empowering you. What's inside of you? Who are you? What will you put on this earth for? We are so interested in these things. A little while ago, I did my own uh, purpose. We had a beautiful girl named Kara come to our discipleship group, our key team group, and she's from Liberty Church, and she, she actually works out people's purposes, doesn't she, Alana? And I gave Alana the book. It's amazing. And after she talked to our discipleship group, I went, hang on. I kind of know my purpose, but I couldn't put it in one statement. And so I went home and I sought the Lord, and the Lord spoke to me. He gave me actually Isaiah 61 that Pastor Phil read out this morning. He gave me Isaiah 61, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon you, that whole scripture. And then he said, Julie, your purpose is this, to restore everything to its, to its original intent. The word is cheya in Hebrew, to restore, to, uh, there's two other words, I forget, they're both R's, it's about rebuild, everything back to its original intent. And when I looked at my whole life and before I was a Christian, I went, I've always done that. I've always had a passion to do that. So the heart of this church, coming from the senior leadership, is to find out what's inside of you and draw it out, and draw it out because the world is waiting for you to pop. The world is waiting. It says the whole of creation is groaning in anticipation for the manifestation of the sons and the daughters of God. The whole of creation is waiting for you to pop, for for it to click, for it to go into place. That's what I'm here for. That's my purpose. That's why I'm on this planet, and we're going to unpack that. So I'm going to read that vision statement again. Let's read it all together. A place that feels like home, where you can experience God and be transformed through preaching, worship, and connection that is fresh, relevant, real, and empowering. Now, obviously, you're all not going to remember that, but, you know, we've got to somehow you know, know that in our heart of hearts. And hopefully by the end of this year, you'll be able to maybe quote that. But how many of you know we haven't got great memories? So what we're doing is we're going to break it down into three words. If somebody said to you, what kind of church do you go to? What is the distinctives of your church? You'd be able to say these three words, experience, transform, belong. I go to a church where you experience God where you get transformed in the very presence of God through community, through relationship. And I found a place where I belong. It feels like home. It just feels like home. Experience, transform, belong. Amen? There are three key words. So let me unpack those three key words quickly for you. And after this service, we're having a Discover C3 session all those people that have joined us in the recent months, um, I think there's about 33 coming at the moment. If you have never heard about our heart, our vision, 
uh, who we are and want to come to Discover C3, please hang around at the end of the service and see Katrina. Stand up, Katrina. See Katrina and she'll set you a place at the table. Amen. There's always a place at the table. Who knows that? In my father's house, there's always a place at the table for you. And we're going to be unpacking a lot more of this in that session. But I'm just going to brief over this. And then the other guys this month are going to be unpacking these three words as best as we can so we all understand. Is that good? Turn to someone and say, it's so good. It makes me feel, it makes me feel safe to know where we all stand. Amen. So experience. Matthew 18, 20 says this, Wherever two or more are gathered in my name, there I will be in the midst of them. Church should be a place. This church is high on our priority list that there is an actual experience with God yourself. That that you're not writing on someone else's experience or someone else's story or someone, you know, writing on the music, whatever it is, or the great preaching. Oh, the great preaching made me feel good. All those things are great, but unless it's something in heaven connects with you, we want every person that walks into the place to connect with God because our job, our mission is to take the hand of God, take the hand of you and put them together. And if we're not doing that, what are we doing as church? What are we doing? If he is not here, if he is not in the room, if he is not connecting personally with his children, then what is church? And what are we doing? If the worship songs uh, don't make you feel like you're in the very presence of God, that he's talking to you, that he's with you, that he's around you, what are the songs for? Are they just songs with words that we sing? Might as well go to a rock concert. Might as well go watch a show. And it's about experience something yourself. So when you're singing the songs, you're lifting your hands and you're in the moment, you're, you're crying. I noticed there was people this morning in the worship through the, through the, the, the crowd crying. What is that? They're having a personal experience with the very presence of God. Amen. In 1982, I was radically saved from a total non-Christian background with no understanding at all of church, God. I was in the, I was in the um, entertainment industry. I was, I was a, a singer, uh, pretty famous actually, and a dancer. And I was going, you know, getting famous and getting more and more famous and getting more and more into that world. But I was so lonely. I was so confused. I had no idea of my own identity. No reason no reasoning why I was put on the earth. I know I wanted to help people. I know I thought my, you know, my sad love songs when they cried over their beer at least was doing something. I don't know. I felt like I had something to say. I had a message to bring, but I didn't have a vessel or a way to bring this message. I had love to give and I didn't know who to give it to. I had I wanted to experience something of real love. And one night in a hotel room in the middle of the night, the whole side of my room turned white and the face of Jesus appeared to me. Him, actually, Jesus. I had no idea who he was. I thought it might have been God. At the time, I was chanting to Buddha, so I had no idea if that was some form of Buddha. I don't know what it was, but it was Jesus. And he said to me, speak my name and you will be saved. And somewhere from the deeps, down deep, somewhere down deep, 
that I must have knew him before I was formed in my mother's womb kind of feeling, out came Jesus. He said, speak my name and you will be saved. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. From that moment when I looked into those blue eyes, when I looked into that face, when he looked into my soul, I was changed forever. And I knew that I would never, ever, ever be the same. I had had an experience which totally turned my world upside down and put me on a path that would never be the same. Amen. 1982, is that 37 years ago? 35 years ago. Thank you, Andrew Flaxman, for your facts and figures. That's a long time ago. But you know what? When I, when I talk about that, I can still see his eyes. I still see his face. I still feel what it was like when he was in the room. So I went in church of I went in search of a church. He must be in church, is that right? You've seen Jesus. So what do you do? The next thing is go to church. And there you will find Jesus in the church. And so I went to church, went to I won't tell you what denomination it was, because I knew nothing about different denominations. And I walked into church and they were doing their stuff. They were standing up, sitting down, saying things, repeating things, doing stuff. It was incense, it was all happening. And I stood at the back of the church and I thought, what the heck are they doing all this for? Because he's not even here. Because I knew what it felt like when he was in the room. When he's in the room. When he's here. You know, there's a song that, that, that Jesus culture sings. says, I don't want to talk about you like you're not in the room. I don't want to sing empty songs to you. I don't want to be like a Pharisee. I don't want to be like a whitewashed tomb full of dead man's bones. I want to connect with the real Lord Jesus Christ. And I want him to connect with me. And so when we, we, we felt that God put his finger on us, you know, we've been praying and fasting 10 years, 10 years. He sent us up to the central coast. We arrived in a little place called Wong. And where the heck are we? I don't know. And uh, it was very different 10 years ago, believe, 21 years ago, believe me. It was a very different place, wasn't it, Margaret? It was a different place 21 years ago. It was a little more oppressed. And, you know, where are we? And we started to pray, God, this place needs a church. And we started to walk the streets. We started to do 40-day prayer and fast walks, me and Phil. We're just going, God, you've got to send someone. This place needs a church. We need Jesus in this town. You know, we, we wanted to move to Terrigal where our friends were. But, but no, we need Jesus here. We had a prophecy to say, why are you going looking for a harvest field when there's one in your backyard? And so we're praying, we're praying, we're fasting, we're fasting. We have an encounter with the Holy Spirit through a move of God in 1993, get smashed by God. And God, in the middle of that being smashed, said, you know what? It's you. And we were just like dumbfounded like Moses. You know, I can't speak. I can't can't do this. You got to send someone else. It's going to be someone else. Someone that knows how to do this stuff. No, it was us. And God chose us out of an experience because he knew that we knew what it felt like when Jesus was in the room. And he knew that there was a lot of people that were tired of going to church and not meeting with Jesus. And I never wanted to go to a church where I wasn't going to meet with Jesus again. So let's do a church where Jesus turns up every week. And we pray and we ask him, Lord, please don't let us do this without you. Holy Spirit, we need you. We need your presence. We need you. 
What can we do without you, Holy Spirit? What can we possibly do in all our plans and strategies and executions? Let me tell you this. The church is not a business. It's a family. The church is a family. Amen? And I'll get on to that in a minute. The next word, transform. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says this, But we all, with unveiled faces, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Yesterday we had a beautiful breakfast at Crown Plaza for my 22-year-old daughter's birthday and the family were there and the grandkids were there. And I was looking at my beautiful Joey. Come here, Joey, just for one second. You just have to go like that and you can sit back down. It's so embarrassing being the grandchild of the pastor. But one day she's going to be a preacher and a worship leader, so she's got to get used to it. Is that right, Joey? Yeah. So this is beautiful Joey. She's eight. Say hi, everyone. Okay, off you go. Now, she likes to come and sit and listen to the big preaching because she likes to take in the deeper things of God. So we let her do that. But I'm looking at Joey yesterday. She's eight years of age. And I was thinking how beautifully she's growing into a beautiful young lady. Like, you know, the other kids were running around and playing, but she's eight now, so she's sitting there. Just like a little lady. Like, she's just like a little lady. And, you know, and she said, I feel like a princess in this place, the Crown Plaza. And she was pretending she was a princess sitting there. And, you know, and Charlie says, oh, I want to be a prince. No, no, you have to look after me and protect me because I'm the princess. And uh, it was all lovely. And I'm looking and thinking, how beautiful is it to watch growth in a child? Yesterday, Julie took her clothes shopping afterwards because she saw all the wonderful clothes in Terrigal and went, Mom, as a girl does, I haven't got anything to wear. And so Julie went on a shopping date afterwards and took her shopping, new clothes. So it, why hasn't she got anything to wear? Because she grew out of her size 7 clothes. And she grew out of her size 6 clothes. Now... If I was looking at Joey yesterday sitting there as an eight-year-old and she hadn't grown since she was six, I would start to be concerned. I would have to sit Gillian Andrew down and go, Joey hasn't physically changed in two years. She's the same height. She's the same shoe size. She's the same in her intellect. She's the same in her emotions. There's no changes. Do you think that there's something wrong where we need to bring in some help. Right? But the thing is this. We can have people sitting in churches for years and years and years and they never change. They never grow up. They never change their clothes size. They never change the size of their Bible. They never change the way they think. See, the whole work and the message of Jesus Christ was to bring transformation, to change us from glory to glory to glory, with ever-increasing glory, into the very image of Jesus Christ. So if someone is sitting in church and they're not changing, becoming like Jesus, then we have to be worried. Something's wrong with the church. And it's, you know, 
Look, right now the model of church right across the world that's being pushed is a pastoral teaching model with no apostolic, no, you know, there's no strong word, there's no real strong discipleship, and that's lovely. But all across the world I see immature Christians being tossed around by every wind of doctrine, not knowing how to control their own lives, let alone, let alone disciple anyone else. But we're supposed to be transformed into his image. We're transformed three ways. Number one, as I said before, we experience an authentic relationship with Jesus Christ. You can't be transformed unless you're born again. Who knows that? So we experience, even if we're born again, we've been born again years, unless we have an experience, an encounter with God, we're going to stay the same. We need to experience Him always, regularly. Number two, so we have to experience an authentic relationship with Jesus. Number two, we have to be under the sound of the ministry of the fivefold ministry to come to maturity. That means that you need to be hearing from an apostle, a prophet, a pastor, a teacher, an evangelist. Fivefold, not just someone who gets people saved, but someone who teaches you how to get people saved. Not just someone who looks after sheep, but someone who teaches you how to look after sheep. Fivefold. Fivefold will transform you and, and teach you how to do the work of the ministry. Not someone that prophesies, but someone that teaches you how to prophesy and how to see the heavens and how to experience God in the realms of the heavenly places. How to understand the deeper things of God. Not just someone who's apostolic, but someone who brings the spirit of a father into a church and causes it to be a family. So number two, under the ministry of fivefold ministry, through the word of God, you're transformed. Who, who believes that? Experience, ministry, fivefold, word of God. Number three, you're transformed by the community of believers. Something happens when someone else gets in your world and walks with you daily. When someone else says, why don't you come over to my house for dinner and we can get connected and I'll, I'll work out how I can help you. When someone goes to a, a connect group and get, get locked into a connect group and you're starting to walk with each other in your lives and understand each other's struggles and understand this is how I can help, this is how I can do it. And within that, there's a whole community of believers that are helping people to be transformed. It's your job, the community of believers. Amen? Who agrees with that? Being transformed is important. And as I said, we're going to unpack it more as we go along. And I'm going to, at the end, I want to just share a couple of testimonies with you about transformed people. We're going to share that and how that happens. And the last word that we have is belong. Belong. It says in this scripture here, James 1.18, I'm living, this is the Living Bible. It was a happy day for him when he gave us our new lives through the truth of his word. And we became, as it were, the first children in his family. As I said before, the church is not a business, it's not a corporation, it's family. God's design has always been family. God's design has always been family. 
When Jesus Christ died for you and I, it was to restore us to the Father as children of God. Amen? And to give us a sense of belonging, identity. Amen. When we came to Christ, God becomes our Father. We become the children. Other believers become our brothers and sisters. And the church becomes our spiritual family. And this building becomes a home where believers dwell. That's why we've got that word up there, home. This isn't a building where people do church. This is God's house and this is his lounge room and you're his children. Amen. Jesus pointed his disciples and said, there are many mothers and brothers. Anyone who does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother, sister, mother. Matthew 12, 49 to 50. Anyone who just does the will of my Father in heaven is my mother, my, my sister, my brother, my mother, Jesus said. The family of God includes all believers in the past, in the present, and all who will believe in the future. Who believes that? Just turn this up a little bit, please, so the rain. The Spirit, listen to this, Romans 8, 15 to 16. The Spirit makes you God's children, and by the Spirit's power, we cry out to God, Father, my Father. God's Spirit joins Himself to our Spirit to declare that we are God's children. Amen? You don't just attend a church. You don't just have a belief system. You are a child of God. You belong in the family of God. You have a father. It doesn't matter what your former life was like, what your upbringing was like, what kind of family unit you had in the natural. You have a spiritual family that is far above that, that can change and transform and grow you and give you identity to who you really are in the spirit realm and in the, in the kingdom of God. Amen? Every human being was created by God, but not everyone is a child of God. Do we understand that? I hope we understand that. Do we understand that? The only way we can get into God's family is being born again into it. So you don't, you're not born again by going to church. Somebody said you're not. You know, it doesn't make you a hamburger if you go to McDonald's. It's true. You're not born again. You're not part of God's family just because you attend a church. You must be born again. You must be born of the Spirit and of water. Amen? You must, there must be a time where there's a, a spiritual change that takes place where our hearts are circumcised, where we lay down our own will, where we say, I want to be part of the family of God. And though I was born once, I want to be born again. Amen? You became part of the human family by your first birth but you became a member of God's family by your second birth. Look at this in 1 Peter 1.3. In his boundless mercy that has given us the privilege of being born again so that we are now members of God's own family. We belong. Hallelujah. You are all children of God through faith in Jesus Christ. When you first became a Christian, those of you who are Christians this morning, those of you who have given your hearts to the Lord Jesus Christ and have had a life-changing, 
shift in your lives when that happened. There must have been something that went through your head like it went through mine. This is what I have been searching for my whole life. This, now I feel like I know who I am, even though it's an unfolding lifetime experience, but I know who I am and why I was put here. I know that I belong. I know that I'm part of a family. I know that I have a father. This is what I've been looking for. It must have gone through your head. I belong. And we want that same feeling when people walk in here and they get this sense, and I know people do. I know people do. I know, know, where's Pat? Stand up, Pat. Everyone say hello, Pat. Yeah, I think, I think correct me, Pat, but you were 74 when you first came to church? How old? Four years. 76 when she first came to church. Pat had a beautiful husband, but he was atheist, didn't want her to go to church. And she was like obedient to her husband. But when he died, she went, you know what? I can go to church. I've always wanted to go to church. And so she, through connections with other people, ended up here. And she said that she walked through that door and she felt the tangible love of Jesus Christ. Is that the right word she used? Palpable. The palpable love of Jesus Christ consumed her as soon as she walked in the door. Not when the worship played, not when the preacher preached. It was something in the atmosphere of this place that said it made it feel like it's home. It's because of the the culture of this place. It's home. Amen. It says here, Ephesians 2, 19 to 22, It says, consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. So when we take up the offering, it's not like, oh, now I've got to give to the church. Actually, you're members of this household. And if you're members of the household, you have part ownership in it. So the wood that's under your feet right now is partly owned by you. How many of you have teenagers? Or kids that have gone beyond teenagers? So I was talking to someone the other day and they said, I don't charge my child board. I'm trying to give them a good start. Wrong. You want to give your child a good start, you need to charge them board as soon as they start work. You need to teach them about ownership. You know, my daughter came to me a few weeks ago and said, you know, I don't really want to cook dinner because um, that's what I pay board for. I pay you to cook. Lucky she's not here this morning. I pay you to cook. And I think I pay too much because I hardly ever eat here. And I was happy to say, you're $80 a week. It's lucky to pay for the water that you have in the shower. (laughs) Female with long hair. It's not teaching kids the right way if we just say, well, go for a free ride, have a free ride. Eat my food. You know, come into my house. Don't contribute. 
Man, we've got to grow up. We've got to take our ownership. Amen. We are fellow members of God's household. This is your house. This is God's house. This is our house. We didn't build this. Me and Phil, we built this. Us. With our dad. We built a house. We built a house so that people could come. So that people could find family. We built a house so there'd be a home for the lost to come to. And there'd be a place for people to come and be changed and transformed and experience God. We built a house. Our father's lounge room to invite our brothers and sisters home. We built a house so that we'd be changed and transformed in his very presence. We built a house and we're building a house. Amen. So good. And I'll go on with that scripture. I'll go on from the beginning. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. If that scripture doesn't give you goosebumps, you, 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 may, you may need CPR. That's amazing. We need to see the local church as a family. One of the most attractive things in the world right now is a healthy family. Who would say that? Because it's so rare. It's so rare. When I, when I look at the families in our church, I look at Ra and Beck and their kids, and I see what a great dad Ra is, what a great mum Beck is, and I see the beautiful, their kids are so nice, so well-behaved, so respectful. They're normal kids, they're naughty, they muck up, every kid does. But there's something about a healthy family that is so attractive. Jono and Bree and their kids, you know, that. there's something about a healthy family. I mean, I grew up in a really dysfunctional home, it was crazy dysfunctional. You know, alcoholic father, out of control mom, six kids. You know, there was abuse. There was all kinds of stuff going on. No, no supervision, no control over anything. No one, no one was the boss. It was a family in disorder. You know, there was no mom and dad putting things in order. There was, it was just a mess. We just left up to our own devices most of the time. We did our own housework, our own cleaning, our own cooking. And, you know, mum would work three jobs and dad was never home. And when he was, he was drunk. I mean, I longed for one friend from school. She had this kind of normal home. And I always wanted to go to her house in the afternoon after school and not go home. And I'd say, can I come and hang out at your house? And I'd invite myself for dinner and I'd invite myself for lunch. I'd go there on a Saturday because it was a safe place and they did normal family. So there was mum, there was a dad there and the dad would discipline. She said, I hate it when my dad disciplines. I said, I wish my dad would discipline me in the right way. Oh, I hate it when my mum, she's always around. She's always poking in my business. I wish my mum would poke in my business. I wish my mum would tell me what to do and how to live. And, you know, I want to know. I want someone to tell me how to do this life. Sometimes the church can be a dysfunctional family, just a whole bunch of people hanging out together, but no one's in charge, no one's mum, no one's dad. 
which is a whole bunch of kids, brothers and sisters, fighting for notoriety, trying to get position, trying to get seen, you know, bitching about each other. I mean, we're not this church, never this church, but, but that's how the church can be if we don't have this divine order. It's a family. You know, what would it look like if the church assumed her role and, and modelled that to the world? If the church walked in here and went, my family's crazy, my life is crazy, the whole world's dysfunctional, but I walk in here and it feels like it's, I want to come and have lunch here. I want to come and sleep over. You know, we had one girl at one stage in our church, she was a heroin addict. And, uh, and she couldn't get off heroin and she was trying and, and she came to our church so she said, look, I can't do the stuff, right? I can't do the stand up, sit down stuff. I, I can't sing the songs. I can't even take in what the person's saying at the front. But there's something in this place that makes me feel safe. Is it okay with you if I come to church every week and bring my doona and pillow and my teddy bear she was, a, she was a, you know, later teenage girl. She wasn't a kid. Can I just lay on the altar on the front? Because it's the only place in the world I feel safe. And it's the only place in the world where the demons aren't harassing me to shoot up again. It's the only place in the world that I feel like I don't need another hit. Wow. It's powerful. What would it look like if we modeled this? That it was a family. And people came here and I went, oh, this is how it's supposed to be. This is the way God designed it to be in the first place. He always designed it as a family. The whole thing, the whole book, the whole Bible, it's all about family. And they begot and they begat 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 and they begat. Who are you begatting? Or are you still trying to begat yourself? Are you still trying to look after your world and your life and your thing because you never grew up? Because no one ever got with you and gave you some hardcore daddy, you know, talks and mum getting into line and aunties and uncles getting around your life. You know, in the Maori community, it isn't like that. Aunties and uncles get around your life. In my community, the Aboriginal community, it's the same. You know, you better not muck up or uncle's going to come get you. You know, it's just not mum and dad. It's the whole family unit's going to come after you if you muck up. You know, this is how it should be that we're seeing each other and we're encouraging each other. We all want to see a move of God. We all want to see harvest. We all want to see the world saved. We all want to see thousands coming into the kingdom. I want to see that. We're revivalists at heart. But none of that's going to happen unless it's through the local church. We can have crusades and get thousands saved. where we don't have a home for them to come to, they'll just get lost again. It's got to be through the local church. We've got to have a home. The Bible says that he sets the lonely into families. If someone came into your home today, right now, you went home and then, oh, hello, I have a visitor in my house. But I don't feel like talking to them because I'm an introvert. I'm a bit of an introvert and I don't like walking up to strangers. But they're in my house, but I'm just going to ignore them. I'm just going to pretend they're not in my house. In fact, I'm not going to feed them talk to them, be with them, be hospitable. Now, if someone's in your house, if you're an introvert, whatever kind of personality you are, whatever stage of life you're in, I don't feel worthy to talk to them. Oh. No, they're in your house. If someone comes into your house, you say, oh, how are you going? What's your name? What are you doing in my lounge room? 
eaten today? Would you like something to eat? It'll be so cool. I'll feed you. Wouldn't you? But people can walk through this door and you all look at each other and go, who's going to go talk to them? I don't know. I don't know who's going to talk to them. I don't want to talk to them. I'm an introvert. I don't know. I'm not worthy to talk to them. I don't know. I don't know. Like, do we have to really set up structures for people to be greeted? If this is a home and this is a house and you're a family, do we really have to set up a structure and say, you're on the greeting team and it's your job to smile like this. Welcome to church this morning. I hope you have a lovely time. How much more organic is it for someone to walk out, hey, going? I noticed you're in my house. You're in my house. Do you know where you're sitting? Do you know where the bathroom is? Do you need a coffee? Come on, we can do this. You know what I'm saying? Let's make it more organic, guys. Make, make it more real. Amen. We all want to see a move of God, but we need to happen through the local church. The last statement I want to make is this. In the foster care system throughout the world, the biggest problem they have in the foster care system is that they have more children that need homes than they have parents that want to parent children. Is that right, Dave? Dave works in that sort of field. He knows what it's like to have kids that have parents that can't look after them and no one else that wants to. But sometimes that's what the church is like. That we have a whole bunch of foster kids and no parents that want to parent them. It's time to grow up. It's time to take responsibility. It's time to become a family. It's time to put our big boy undies on and start to begat and do some begatting in Jesus' name. Start to change and be transformed. Amen? And we're going to bring all believers to maturity as we work together as a community. You know, I want to just give a couple of examples of this experience, transform, belong, and then I'm finished. Jackie, stand up. In fact, just stand here with me, Jackie. Okay, Jackie, this is her second year in the church. Those of you who saw Jackie, she's allowing me to share this, by the way. I wouldn't do this without asking. But those of you who saw Jackie when she came into the church, she used to wear all black, black lipstick. She had everything pierced that can be pierced. And she used to wear zombie contact lenses. So if you look at her eyes, you didn't know where to look. In fact, Pastor Phil, we were all trying to ignore it and just go, well, we'll love her with zombie contact lenses on. And Pastor Phil went up and she was at, up the back there and she looked up at him and went like that. And he went, oh my gosh, have you got a disorder with your eyes? He just like... <laughs> No, no, I'm wearing zombie. This is trendy. I'm wearing zombie contact lenses, wasn't it? And, uh, you know, when she first came here, it took her so much guts. She had such high anxiety that she couldn't come out of her house. She had nightmares and terrors every night. She used to cut herself to try and get relief from the pain that she felt inside. She's, She's got a history of abuse and stuff that's gone in her life that she could not deal with in her little mind. And her mother didn't know what to do with her. She was a mess. She was suicidal. She says in her words, I was completely broken one year ago. Today, this little girl has not only had prayer ministry on several occasions and got set free of all those terrible things that were chasing her in the night. Now she sleeps at night. Now she doesn't have anxiety. 
Now she's learning about community where she was so afraid of crowds and people. She goes to a connect group. She's found friends. She hangs out with the Yards community group. But more than that, she said to Rach, I want to help you mentor young people. I want to be on the youth team and I want to be there when those street kids come in because I get what it feels like to be them. And I know that God can use me after one year in the church. This is the evidence of our culture. Experience, transform, belong. Laura, come on. Just one more. This is Laura, everyone. Thank Laura. I mean, say hello to Laura. Laura, how long have you been in our church? Um, just a couple of months. A yeah. couple of months. Yeah. And you've been around the church. Like, you're, you have yeah. family that go to church. Yeah. You would go to church. I went to a Christian school. I went to a Christian school. Yeah, yeah. So I gave my heart to the Lord when I was 14. Katie actually took me down the altar. But God came and I, and I knew he was real, but um, not as real as now. So your life went on a spiral. Yeah, back and forth. Out of control. Yeah. Your life was crazy. Yeah. You know, you, you were living a life that you didn't want for your kids. She's got two beautiful boys. I suppose for me, I always knew God was real, but not, I just, it wasn't, I kind of didn't realise how the devil was working in my life and didn't want me to fulfil the you know, his promise and, you know, so for me, I was kind of living, yeah, for the devil more than for God. So, you know, very, very um, empty, painful, um, yeah, worldly life. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I think with with Laura, it was like there's a searching in, in many women that want to find their beauty that want someone to say you're beautiful, want someone to say you're special, and that can lead them into areas of life that mess them up. But when you come into the house of God and you hear God say to you, you're beautiful, you're exactly the way I made you. I said to Laura a couple of weeks ago, I have never seen her look more beautiful than she does right now because there's an inner beauty that's coming out of her that far exceeds her worldly beauty that she, she was a model, she was all these things. But I'm telling you, God's doing a trans... She's only been here a couple of months and we're watching her be transformed before our eyes. And it's been through three things. She had an experience with Jesus in her house. She actually got in touch with a couple of people and said, what the heck? Jesus just visited me and I feel completely different after visiting this house, after being in Christian school, church, you know the exact day. Yeah, I couldn't leave the house, and I was like, "What is going on?" And I, I had a job that, you know, that wasn't um, what God wanted me to do, and I couldn't go. And I was just there was something so supernatural. I can't. People around me were like, "What happened?" And I'm like, "I can't. I can't even describe it. It's because it was so out of my character." And you said when you tried to do the things that you used to do, you'd couldn't. feel physically, I physically ill. couldn't. Yeah, and I had prayer ministry before that date, 
and I, nothing was really changing, but the prayer ministries were just incredible and there was some breakthrough. And then just one day, that day, God just like a bomb and it was out of this world. And if anyone says God is real, then it's a lie. He's so real. So now Laura, she's had an experience. She's being transformed through the experience, through being under the teaching of the apostle and the prophet and the fivefold ministry and the word. And she's being changed by the community of believers who are giving a prayer ministry. I know Katrina personally spends hours on the phone with her, hours out of her paid time where she works here. She spends hours with people outside of her paid time. She's a gem, that woman, to our church. She's a gem. And we need more Katrinas. We need more mums and dads. We need more, you know, Phil and Fleurs. We need more people like Dave and Ange that will walk with people and see them come into a place of transformation and then belonging. And now her two boys are in church. She's enrolling them in Christian school. Her life is changing. She's changing careers. God is in the changing business. That's what this is all about. One person. If it's one person, guys, if it's one person, this is all worth it. Amen. Let's give Lord a hand. Hallelujah. So let's read over our vision statement one more time. And... Uh, And really get to know what that means now as we've unpacked it. Let's read it together. Is it there? No, the vision statement, the whole statement. Ellie, please, that one, yeah. Let's read it together. A place that feels like home, where you can experience God and be transformed through preaching, worship, and connection that is fresh, relevant, real, and empowering. And our three key words, let's say them together. Thanks, Ellie. Experience, transform, belong. Hallelujah. Let's stand to our feet. Father, I pray within the sound of my voice that every person in this room and ones that are not here would experience you, God, at a greater level in 2018 would be transformed from glory to glory with ever-increasing glory into the very image of Jesus Christ. That by the end of this year, they'll be wearing bigger shoes and bigger clothes and they'll be begatting other people. Father, I thank you that every person here now, not present, once to come, would feel a sense of belonging would feel like their home and that we the community of believers would rise up and be the family that God is calling us to be and organically love this world to Christ in Jesus name I thank you Father for the Jackies and the Lauras and all the others that are in this room including myself that have been transformed by the tangible love of God 
And we ask that you would this year bring many, many more. We ask for souls to come into this house. We ask, God, that you would give us courage to speak to people and to reach out and to be the family of God that reaches out and say, come to my family. I know where you'll feel safe. I know where you can belong. I know where you can be experienced, transformed and belong. God, we thank you. I pray right now that this word will go into every heart and that confusion goes in Jesus' name. Strategy will come into place. Holy Spirit, put this word in our hearts and let it bear much fruit in the name of Jesus Christ. Father, make us one. Why don't we just join hands right across, right across. Can we just sing that song, Kate? Thank you, Lord. Why don't you just pray a prayer while we sing this song. Father, make us one. Transform us. Everybody join hands. All the ushers come in. All the team come in. Anybody who can come in. Make us one, Father. Jesus. We hope you enjoyed listening to this message. For more information on what you've just heard or how to visit us, go to c3talgra.org.au. We hope to see you at church soon.